you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Are you a coach or just any person who's a bit nervous about their job future? Well, we can't help you with your job prospects, but we can recommend a place that has comfortable seats and a fireplace to ponder your options in front of. And that place is the Yorkshire Hotel. On the corner of Language Street and Punt Road in Abbotsford, it's the perfect place to mull over your future with a pint and a counter meal or just forget about it altogether. But one bloke who should not be worried about his job security, however, is the guy next to me who's finding form at the right end of the year after back-to-back big collects and another win for his under-19s. It's the punter's profit and the super coach himself. Big bustling Baz. How are we doing, mate? <laughs> Good. Two eights in a row. Two eights in a row. GWS cost me nine both weeks. Yep. Got to back him in. I'll probably back him in this week and they'll... Uh, they'll fall over, yeah. Fall over, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know what happens as well when you've been up for a couple of weeks? You get a little bit confident, you get a little bit cocky, yeah. and then you uh, get some egg on your face. There's only three weeks ago, I tipped three as well, so don't forget about that. So, no, everything's going well, mate. Um, Hoodie's well. Colin could be better, but that's another thing, and uh, yeah, everything's going well. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need you sound happy now. I don't think you'll be happy before. I don't think you're about to be happy as we speak. I think the first situation here for Baz and the Blower is a little bit of rules for some, rules for others. Yeah. And you've got some uh, stuff to clear. What? Well, I just feel like over the part, it's, it's AFL media in general, but it's get, I think it's getting worse and I don't think there's much uh, common sense used when they start writing all these articles. So obviously, you know, Collingwood and Adelaide are the, are the two at the moment. You know, it's been Fremantle and Port Adelaide as well recently they just so Collingwood and Adelaide are both now aren't they yes they are Adelaide have made the finals pretty regularly the last three or four years yes they made a grand final Uh, yes their list is getting to a point where it needs to be turned over you know they've got a lot of similar players their game style doesn't match up yes all those things you know that's fine but for the amount of crap that uh, Don Pye and Adelaide Football Club are copying right now surely but even Mark Rashiro has been very, very hard on Surely they can look back and sit back and go, right, look at the list. Look at what they've achieved over a, a long period of time. It's time we need to refresh. Instead, they went and got Bryce Gibbs and they've gone and done a few other little trades to get more experienced bodies in when they probably should have been using those first-round draft picks to get a bit of youth and replenish a bit. When you know They've probably done a bit of a Hawthorne, but not as, nowhere near successfully. Mm-hmm. And they've gone and got a lot of hard inside mids without a lot of speed on the outside, which is obviously hurting. And they, they really lack a key forward. Yes, you've got Jenkins and Walker, but as the stats show as on the couch the other night when they went through them, you know, they're, they're more half-forwards than anything. They're, yes, they're big figures, but they're not really your... Contested, contested marks, marks yeah, yeah. your key targets, yeah. So that, that's one. And then you, you go to Collingwood and the other thing, yes... So pause, not, pause there, though, because that yeah. all sounds like Adelaide deserve their whack then. Like, they stuffed up their list management, they've got... Too many of the t- same type of players. They've got homogenous midfields and homogenous forwards. Yeah. So surely they deserve their whack. I don't think there's a, this is this is what I'm getting at. So okay. they're, they're copping their whack. Yeah. Right. Collingwood's another one at the moment copping their whack. Yeah. All right. So yes, we haven't been great, playing great footy. You, know, you can look at it. You can watch Collingwood play at the moment. So yeah, we're not playing well. We're not, we're not confident. We're not moving the ball as well. All these sorts of things. 
But we're getting absolutely hammered left, right and centre on, on TV and mm-hmm. on, by all the footy shows and stuff because, you know, we're falling away. Our list all of a sudden isn't that good. Um, you know, all these things. And, and There's cultural issues. Cultural issues. And then they start throwing up our injury list and the, the fact that it's not as bad as it looks, all this stuff. Well, I'm sorry, but we've lost more games than anyone uh, this year. Mm-hmm. We've lost more games than anyone over the last six or seven years. We're missing probably 10 or 11 first players that would stroll in to pretty much every other team in the NFL, I reckon, due to injury. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's fine. We've not used it once as an excuse. Yes, we're not playing the way we were. And yes, we're not putting as much frontal pressure on it, all that sort of thing. Yes, it's been a slow steady decline. But we cop it non, non, non-stop in the media. Wow. And, and Freo, the other one as well, we cop it and Port Adelaide. And Port Adelaide, I reckon, well, King, King, they replenished their list last year. They went to, the, they targeted young players. They've done well and, that's what's going to buy Ken Hinkley hopefully some more time, and I think they're on the right track. However, you've got teams in the AFL at the moment, like the Western Bulldogs. Western Bulldogs won the flag. One of the very few teams that won the flag and not shown up the year after. I think the only team to possibly not make the finals the next two seasons after. They're the only team, yeah. And they're, they're pushing shit up here to make it this year as well. They're inconsistent. Their coach plays a weird game style and doesn't play certain types of players mm-hmm. they haven't been like I said they have not been successful since they won that flag they've been very very inconsistent they, they seem to lose to bottom teams but they beat the top teams for some reason mm-hmm. so where's their flag they just re-sign him for three years mm-hmm. where's their shit? Melbourne's the other one because I don't expect them to there's Ma- no so as, as so what what you've just told me is there's two big clubs Adelaide's the biggest club in South Australia Collingwood's the biggest club in Australia yeah who are, who are not fulfilling the level of success that they want to give their members. And so the media is just letting the members know that, yeah, they should be held to account. No one cares if the Bulldogs are successful. They won their flag. They had their fairy tale. No one cares. What about Melbourne then? No one cares if Melbourne is successful. They don't have any fans. They all bugger off to the snow. And they made their prelim last year. That's basically their grand final. And then this year, they're going to finish second last, probably, underneath, the, underneath Carlton. They won't care. It just means that that's why no one cares. All right, so they're insignificant clubs. That's yeah. fine. But then, why doesn't the AFL media and say, "Go, right, well, look at let's look at Brisbane. How good they've been playing. What they've changed. Carlton, St Kilda. Well, we are getting we're getting a lot Bell. of Carlton chat. Yeah, Carlton. We're getting yeah, a lot of St Kilda chat now. We don't get much St Kilda chat. We we're get getting Carlton, a bit now, though. We get Carlton chat. You know why? Because they're, like they're a big club. A big club. They sell papers. The other thing that pisses me off as well is so we talk. John been copping crap as well, mm-hmm. and it's how. It's how easy that they stop writing these stories as soon as you have a win and they pick on someone else. So Geelong won. It's yeah. pretty hard to give Geelong crap and they're still top of the Yes, but they were getting stuck into them after the post-buy. They have been until they beat Sydney by 30 points. Yeah. And they talked about how their ball movement was stagnant the week before when they lost to Hawthorne and they were, you know, and Chris Scott Pants said, oh, we want to move the ball picker and stuff. No, yet, they didn't. Yet they moved the ball slower and more on the boundary line. Hmm, which is their game style more than what they did any other time this year and, and beat Sydney. Mm-hmm. But a week before that, they were saying that that was, was their, was their yeah. problem. And but, the Stegosaurus himself, and shout out to anyone who gets that joke, and they will, uh, said, oh, yeah, too slow, too slow. And then this week came out and said in his means test, oh, actually, slow ball movement wins, wins games because so, West Coast do it, because Richmond do it, and they explode, and then Geelong do it, and then Car- and Collingwood do it. So, it, as I said, people, if you actually, you could go back 
and rewrite the whole system's whole season's history based on which flip flop story gets published each week. It just, it's, there's no consistency. I, I agree, and it pisses me off no end because. But that's also why we can make money. We've made money on head-to-head bets in the last couple of weeks where teams have been $2 plus because the industry flip-flops and doesn't have any consistency and doesn't read from beyond the last seven days. So whilst you can get frustrated, you can also get even, make some cash off it. The only thing, you know, last night on the AFL 360, Robbo said, oh, it's been a quiet day. And it was a quiet day yesterday. It was good. There was no crap media stories. There was no bloody, you know, Tom Brown tweets... It was great. It was actually a quiet day, and it was just like let them be. Yeah, and it was good. And I just, I just want to go. I've just it's been it's been festering. I, I just really hate it. Like just be positive. Yes, I, I, don't get me wrong. I can have my little hot takes now here. Like yeah. I say something about a player or whatever, and I'm actually more than happy. And you you go through and you'll yeah, hear yeah. me and say I'm happy to admit when, when they prove me wrong. I say yep. I'll cop on my chin. I was wrong. I apologise. But you know you got blokes who are. Uh, one week will just absolutely scorn a side, then like Geelong, and then the next week when they do the exact same thing you just scored them for, and they win by 30 points against the below-average Sydney team, they're back to winning the flag. They're flag favourites. Mm. It, it does my head. Yeah, it pisses me off. So I, I have to get that off my chest. No, fair enough. And got to hold into account because these are the so-called experts that are run our league. So there's there's the whack. There's the whack at the AFL media. Yeah. What, what do they get wrong? So... What do they overrate in Adelaide and Melbourne? Because they, they were so-called top four locks at the start of the year. Yeah. And that's why, that's why if you want the honest truth as to why those teams get whacked, and Melbourne's getting whacked now as well, because they make them look silly. Yeah. When, when all these experts come out, they get an, a, a, you know, a million-dollar show, and all the, all the advertising, all the billboards, and they come out and say that this team will finish top four, and this team will finish top four, and then two nuff-nuffs that sit in a couch in, a, in an apartment in Elstonwick basically tip the top eight from the start of the season... Yeah. Like they'll get embarrassed, they'll get angry, they'll get upset, and they'll give teams whacks, and that's why it happens. What did the mainstream media overrate with Adelaide and Melbourne, and what did they underrate, I suppose especially with Brisbane, but to some extent Richmond as well? Well, I think with Melbourne, they just overrated their game style, and actually what the impact of the 6-6-6 would have. You've seen it a lot by teams this year, although it's starting to come back into a bit more vogue uh, the last few weeks with teams rolling back numbers behind the footy. But now most teams actually man them up anyway. So there's not any... Most teams don't get away with playing with the spare. Uh, unless they're you know, Richmond who always love to do it. They play a bit more of a goalkeeper though. So that means they're the last person. Mm. So the spare is behind the defence as opposed to in between the defence and the midfield. Yeah, it's the last person. that's They're behind the, the last forward. So it's pretty hard to... I mean, you can, but it, it also wrecks with your four-line structure. So teams will back themselves to, to counteract that. Um, so I think Melbourne, yeah, with the they used to have blokes come off the back of the stoppage all the time, run through, and they get link up that handle, the overlap run. They also had a, a bloke called Jesse Hogan who could play full forward and do it right. Yes, they've had their injury rows, but I mean, really look at the injury list. Tom McDonald is probably one that you'd have straight back in. Is there how many others in that? Not many. Probably you know, maybe Steve May, but he's been playing. You know, he missed last week. There's not a lot of players in that that you look at and go, oh, geez, they'd walk up start in every other team. So I think they, a bit like the doggies, they got to run on at the right time of year last year. And, and obviously, like I said, the rule changes have affected them a bit. And they just like speed on the outside. And I, I don't know how the, the media didn't pick up on that early like we did. Mm. Um, so give yourself a bit of pat on the back for that. Um, and for 
Richmond, I, I can't believe people wrote off Richmond so quickly. If you go back to when Richmond won against Port Adelaide earlier this year, I told you then they will win the flag, and I'm still confident of that. Uh, and Brisbane, we also talked about, you look at our overs-unders, we thought that Brisbane would be a, a top eight bolter this year. They've gone above that, don't, don't you wrong? Oh, yeah, no, realistically, they thought Brisbane were going to be win in the top two or yeah. win the flag. Yeah. But you, you could see them rise. And I think, again, speed. So, like, speed's been the absolute, as much as, as, much as scoring's gone down, ball movement actually has improved. And the ball's in play more often. So, you know, kudos to the 666 for that. And then, yeah, it's the teams that, like, there's overrated stats now, and the biggest overrated stat, I think, for mine, is contested ball. Yeah, it's the well, There's a new one now. It's, it's post-clearance contested ball. And you, so. if you even look at that stat, for instance, with Sydney-Geelong on the weekend, Sydney were dominating that stat up to half-time, mm. and it flipped. Mm. That's when Geelong got on top. So, and... Brisbane have lots of speed, lots of young talent they've got in that team. They've been able to keep. Lockie Neal's a massive in. I think it's an improvement on Beams. Zorko's gone to a whole new level. McCluggage is a star. And they've got a really different four lines. Obviously, Charlie Cameron, McCarthy, Rainers, you know, a, a, like a hybrid 40, like a Dustin Martin sort of Dorton Goey stringer sort of a player that in a couple more years they get a lot more powerful and we're seeing in midfield time a bit more and all their players' development has, has gone through the roof. That's where you look at Melbourne with their development of players as well. Their top, you know, ten draft picks they've had. They've got they've had a contrarian over the last probably twenty years. They don't develop them that well. As Brisbane have done really well in developing them, so that's that's kudos to them. And, and yeah, Richmond have just you know kept producing players, developing players, a bit like John do with through their system. And, you know, they always have these VFL players come through and play really good AFL footy and, and play a role and know what their limitations are. And that's something Richmond have just been you know, impeccable at over the last... So there's one for you to chuck on your editor's hat then. Do you think those stories would sell papers or get clicks? Like, as they're saying that Chris Scott needs to go or Chris Scott's the cause of Geelong's success or any head coach, Yeah. would you prefer the story be Adelaide needs to investigate their, their, their player development? Yeah. And then... But do you honestly think that... No, no it. it's, it's like with anything else in the in your media, it's all fear mongering. Mm. And what's in the cell phone? What's in the clicks? What's going to get people watching? They, they, they'd rather look at, you know, um, I'm not going to get too political here, they'd rather look at something that's chaotic and crazy and yeah, like then, really then, jarring and, and dichotomous as opposed to a nuanced take on. Well, I think there's an area for it, but it's a, it's a subsect of footy fan. Yeah, so like, your rah-rah call-up 12 back just wants to see someone sacked and see if someone brought in. Yeah. Not, oh, actually, there's, you know, 27 people involved and it's all about yeah. this and it's, yeah. Well, and, and you look at what Collingwood have got right, you know, with the coaching staff and stuff like that. Like, they've got all that right. They still haven't got the fitness stuff right. Hmm. GWS, you know, same sort of thing. They've got all the talent in the world, but have they got the coaching staff right? Hmm. Um, you know, and we're seeing Brisbane get go a different way with their coaching structure different way of getting players together. Um, it's working for them. And even, you know, Carlton, like, Teague is a challenging coach, you know, and they actually talked about it on Footy Classified last night, that the reason why he left Adelaide is because him and uh, Pike had a blue because he challenged him on things. Same with Bolton. Mm-hmm. He challenged Bolton on things and Bolton wouldn't listen to him. So that's why, you know, he, he challenges, he wants people to challenge him mm-hmm. and he, he challenges them back. But, Unfortunately, people... But you need a team around you that is all on board with that, yeah. Yeah, and you need to be able to make it personal as well. And that's mm. where, I think, even in life at the moment, where not everyone's going to like each other in whatever you do in your life, with work, sport, 
Well, we, even, we even see it now on social media and even in this space of just, you know, something as simple and in the grand scene of things not important as sport is you'll go out and you'll say, oh, I don't think that X player is a good player or they're not playing good footy or I don't think this team will make finals. And it's not I disagree with your point or I have facts to disprove that your opinion. It's yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, and it's like that you, there's no more discourse anymore, which is why we kind of have those nuanced stories about what does Brisbane need to do to go to the next step or what what's the actual issue with Collingwood. It's always just here's my hot take, here's my hot take, and it becomes personal. It becomes, no, you're an idiot, this guy's an idiot, these experts are idiots, as it, opposed to here are the facts or let's have a conversation. Yeah, well, that's your opinion, this is my opinion. We'll find out who we're up. Yeah, and I still like you instead yeah. of, no, you're wrong, you're a dick, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bash you. Yeah. Like, and like I said, that happens in everyday life and anything you do at the moment. If you don't agree with someone on something and you have a differing opinion, there's too many people out there that take it personally and all of a sudden think they don't like you and have that dead set opinion of you instead of going, oh, yeah, actually, different opinions, different ways of doing things, that's fine, but let, I respect you still, so let's just move on and, yeah. and keep doing what we need to do. You're not going to like everyone in your life, it's, that's fine, you don't have to. But you can have respect for each other still, and I think that's a big thing that misses that is missing in the world today. And it happens in, in you know, sports media, sports especially media well. footy media. Footy so, media, yeah. Monday's experts always know what's best. Always tell you what you should have done. Monday's experts always know what's cooking. How the game was lost and how it could have been won. Speaking of uh, moving on and having different opinions, let's get into our round. 20 preview, and uh, as always now in the last couple of weeks, we've had an update to our categories. So in the bubble is a new category I've invented, which is teams I'm a bit scared of. Like, they're playing great footy at the moment, but I reckon it could they could come back to reality. Yep. So Carlton and St Kilda playing great footy, kicking 100 points each week. The sample size is pretty small, still even for Carlton, definitely for St Kilda. I feel like... It's not sustainable because they weren't doing it beforehand. There's a reason why those coaches got sacked. It's performance. It was results. It's a little bit based on their lists, although Carlton's list is pretty pretty schmick if, if we're being truly honest with ourselves. But I think there could be a time where they don't kick 100 points anymore. Yeah, I, I, and I said this before last week's game. I think North Melbourne get touched up over there. Uh, I think they're starting the – they'll start the, the plateau a bit. Like yeah. They had that uh, enormous rise. Even if it's just like – it's almost be like a relax for the players as well. They'll know – They'll kind of know now all these rumours about the coaches getting locked in for next year. They'll know that, you know, oh, I've, I've shown Rats, Teague, Shaw how I can play. I'll probably get kept on the list. Yep. I can relax a little bit. Yep. There's not that deep intensity that happens with a new coaching change. So those two teams to watch out for if I want to spend some cash this week. And I've added one to the bank makers, and this is always a dangerous move, but uh, Brisbane I have as a bankable tip each week now as well. Wow. Upset alerts. Starts Saturday, 1.45. Essendon, $1.48 favourites against Port Adelaide, 2.60 outsiders at Marvel Stadium. The line here, 13 and a half. The over-under, 1.65. And this is another pair of untouchables meeting face-to-face. The last one was Essendon versus Adelaide. Essendon took us on a roller coaster of emotions. They got the job done, though. They got the job done. Have we decided to upgrade Essendon and lift them out of the untouchable quagmire? I don't trust Essendon yet. And mm-hmm. the reason is that... They won their last, what, four or five, ga- five games since round 15. They've won the last five games. But they've been trailing uh, in the third quarter, three quarter time. Yeah. So, so they're, they're, even worse than that, I think their whole time leading since the bye, 
they've only led 40% of the time. So that has that, they can't keep going. So for me, I think that's that's a big problem for them. They're still inconsistent in games, and, and I still don't trust them enough. And then you look at Port, who last week should have beaten Jeremy West. Yep. The ball movement inside 50 it was absolutely absurd. It was done. It was done. Especially in that last quarter where both teams had players sitting behind the footy, and Port would break to the middle, play on, do their usual you know, flick it around, get to centre half for it, and just bomb it long to Robbie Gray, who's got you know Haynes and and uh, it was Davis. Three, it was three on one. Yeah, and just instead of lowering their eyes, because obviously there's players out somewhere, they lower their eyes, hit the, hit the target, and, and score the goal that needed the score. So that, that and obviously it cost us money because we tipped Port. We had we, we were on the Port bandwagon. Um, yeah, I, I actually like Port here because uh, I think Hebel's out for Essendon, which is another big out for them. Uh, obviously, Stringer just played an unbelievable game last week. He's actually put together a pretty good year, old JG boy. Uh, and I've given you a not bad for the uh, most overrated player in the competition. I was, as you just, said. I was just getting there, and this is one of those things I told you. I, I said this earlier in the year where I thought he was a bit overrated. Thought he uh, had to prove himself, and over the last probably ten weeks, he has. He has. He's, he's putting four-one pressure on. He's doing all those things. Stuff that I didn't even see at the doggies when he had that decent year. He's obviously bought in. I heard him on... Uh, on yeah, footy class by which him just... A bloke like Stringer turning up to that just shows how confident and comfortable he is. And how much, how much maturity... Yeah, he yeah. has He has enough to... Like, you know, he's grown up a lot. Yeah. And obviously, you know, things happen in AFL players' lives that we don't know about. And, I'm, you know, occasionally I'll just fly off the handle a bit on, on, on this podcast. And I'll okay. probably be unfair on him. And I apologise. Happy to cop a whack for it. Happy to um, prove him wrong. Well done, Jakey boy. Uh... But I don't see Essendon winning this week. The quick deck at Marvel Stadium, which I think will suit Port. Um, it will suit Essendon as well. We like the score for the back half if Port keep doing what they do. Um, but I think generally with, with two teams that play that flicking quick style of footy, there's more turnovers than not. So it might be the unders in the 165. Which is, I have to say, very strange. We, we look at Port, we look at Essendon, we think teams are going to score lots. Neither team's scored 100 points that regularly in the last kind of 10 weeks. So... Uh, Eston's got 100 points against the Gold Coast, which, you know, fair enough. Uh, and then Port Adelaide has only scored, hasn't scored 100 points since the bye. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, Port Adelaide scored 100 points against Adelaide in the showdown and Adelaide didn't show up after half time. So, yeah, I think, as you said, like, they want to try and take the game on. They probably should try and chill out a little bit more, but they won't. So it'll be more that, that GWS-style game where they just turn the ball over between the 50s, yeah. which allows a team like GWS did drop a man behind the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out because, you know, Marvel usually is pretty high scoring, but yeah. And I wonder how much it's going to take. So obviously five weeks in a row they've had to come back from behind. They've had to run out games really hard. And even last week, you know, Gold Coast took right up to them. They were very lucky. I mean, they probably weren't in the end because it was some of the decisions that went against them. But that surely at some point catches up to you as well. And I think that, yeah, travelling back from Gold Coast after another tough game, they've been to Adelaide as well, uh, just might catch up with the Bombers. So I'll... I'm tentatively tipping the Poirier. I want to see the teams. I want to see who's in and out for Essendon and who's in and out for Port with injuries because I think there's a few changes that could definitely sway my tip more towards Poirier. But again, I just want to wait and make sure that happens. Port are playing over $2, plenty over $2. Will you be having a dip on that? Uh, No, there's better bets to have you have this round. I was about to say because Essendon, if if you're picking this on horses... As horses, you're out of your brain. So Essen 
five wins in their last five starts. Port Adelaide have won one of their last five. Yeah, so... It's a crazy tip from you. It's a really crazy tip from you. It is. Well, uh, and it's away at Marvel. You've yeah. lost your brain here. Yeah, you've got confident. Yeah. You've tipped two weeks of eight, and now you've lost your brain. But that's okay. We all have those moments. You're tipping Essendon. Oh, you're tipping Port. I'm tipping Essendon. Craziness. But no bets on that one. All right, Saturday, 7.40. Adelaide are a dollar. 37 favourites against St Kilda. $3.05 outsiders at Adelaide Oval. The line here is three goals. The over-under, 160. How are they favourites? St Kilda kicking 100 points each game the last two weeks. Adelaide apparently are cooked are done. They're in the pump. Don Pike could be sacked. They need pizza and beer. On that, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is pizza and beer that big of a deal? No, it's not. It happens regularly. You know... Like... You, you like wanna, I don't you, understand why it's like, oh, you call for pizza and beer, the whole thing's a shambles. You want to you want to build camaraderie and you know and mateship and all that sort of stuff with your team. So, for instance, like it's probably a bit easier for the guys who um, coach teams that you know play turnover isn't that isn't that massive. But you know, I don't know, nineteen level, um, you know, pretty much every year thirty new players. Yeah. So I've never met them before, a lot of them. So you know, you got to get to know them and you got to figure out how they tick as well and. You know, so beer and pizza is probably a perfect way, especially for 18, 9 year olds, especially if you're paying. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's things like that. I reckon it's a good idea, although I have heard that not all Adelaide players turned up. They did not all turn up. Uh, and, and there's a bit of uh, infighting going on there. There's a few other things going on. So, yeah, look, I'm actually on secure here. I think they, at least at the line, I think if, if Adelaide do win, it won't be by a big margin. If it's dry and, and secure to play that quick football and, and don't butcher it as much as they did last week against Melbourne, they should have beaten Melbourne quite convincingly last week. Mm. But they just could not <laughs> kick the footy in between the arcs and there was some, both teams were butchering it hard. I think they had the record turnovers in a quarter last week, uh, St Kilda and Melbourne. If St Kilda can do that, then St Kilda should win here and, and should really probably win by a similar margin to what Carlton did last week because Adelaide can't score at the moment. They can't do much. And Adelaide's, uh, sorry, St Kilda's defence is quite handy. It does hold up pretty well. It does. They've uh, got enough midfield strength there to probably win that tussle as well. Yes, Steele, you know, and Akers and that probably roll through midfield. Add some grunt, but on the outside, they've definitely got them covered. And up forward, they've got enough forwards that are dangerous to worry. They've got marking options. They've got enough to challenge yeah. and keep their defence. Well, Adelaide's defence is pretty is pretty good, but it'll just be on, based on what effort Adelaide brings. If they bring the effort they did against Carlton and then they did the week before, they're in strife against St Kilda here, but if they actually show up and have a red-eye crack, which you'd expect after what they've been copping the last two or three weeks. You would expect that, though, but look back at their form since the bye as well. They've only had one good performance. That was against Gold Coast, So, and that bat was basically Gold Coast not even showing up. They won by almost 100 points. But, yeah... They've lost by basically 30 points to Geelong away. They got absolutely done in the showdown. They had that terrible capitulation against Essendon and they had, yeah, shock in a better commerce performance against Carlton. They haven't really looked likely in the last five games, whereas St Kilda are on back-to-back 100-point games in significant wins. So, yeah, it seems crazy, but I'll be tipping St Kilda as well. Yep, that's where you go. Will you be having a punt on that one at $3? Uh they had St Kilda to walk it out like they have the last two weeks. Yeah, they were absolutely cut open by St Kilda's ball movement. Even though they're a bit slower, not slower, but they're a lot more controlled St Kilda now than they were last year with, it, with yeah. how flick happy they were. Uh, they'll, they'll have too much pace, and especially if no one's putting any pressure and 
they won't butcher the footy as much as what they were last week. So it's been Adelaide's effort that's probably been the biggest disappointment. And and there's no scare factor now for Adelaide Oval either. Like, there's no reason to go, oh, they must be because they're at home. The market still suggests that. But, yeah, there there is money to be had, in my opinion, on that game, and it's a worthwhile punt at $3.05. All right, our 50-50 pick of the week, just one. And the only reason I think to think long and hard about this game is because it could win you your tipping competition for the year. It's two try-hard teams and one very dour Friday night of football. Friday, 7.50, North Melbourne are hosting Hawthorne. They're absolute evens. And the over-under here is 162. Uh, what do you make of this game, Baz? Because I've got pretty much nothing. Well, North have been playing a very uh, long kick down the line sort of style. Yeah. The style that Hawthorne loves to play against. Uh, contests, uh, you know, lots of stoppages because they've got some players that are really good at hard, tough footy and then they try and spread from those stoppages. They've got a, a bit of a, you know, sort of a damaging sort of fall on Zaha and Ben Brown, uh, ben Brown those sort of things. But I think they've got the matchups Hawthorne for that. And Larky was the one that I watched last week. He looked like he was blowing hard and it was on one of the uh, TV, shows, TV yeah. shows as well. I think it was the couch. I just think North Melbourne, I said last week, they've got, they went to Perth, they were absolutely flogged over there, they were, they were absolutely torn apart, they were lucky to be you know, not beaten by more, in my opinion, watching the game, and I think that they're going to come back to Melbourne, you know, generally teams pop a bit south playing that stadium, uh, Hawthorne weren't quite up to it last week against Brisbane. Who is their bogey side? I don't read too much of that loss, just because they've always lost against them, and I yeah. think Fagan has the match there. So I, I think that I was kind of heading towards North earlier in the week. The, the more I look at the game style that North play and what they do, they could beat up Hawthorne at the stoppages. Yeah. At the stoppages, and that, that's my big concern. But whether they can move the ball quick enough to get through the defence of Hawthorne, but then it's more whether Hawthorne can score. So, you know, they've been lacking a bit in scoring lately, uh, the Hawks. Yep, but, um, only averaging 73 points in the last five games. As I think, you know, yeah, north up at eighty four. So that's that's my main worry. But then you look through the the form lines of, of Hawthorne with you know, they've beaten Geelong, they've beaten Frere, Collingwood, uh, they got close to West Coast. Um, you know they played okay against Brisbane it, compared to North, who you know they've they got pumped by West Coast. They got a big league against Brisbane. They got, they got done by Essendon, who obviously are now flying, and they they cops and killed at a good time. I think that, yeah, I think Hawthorne should win this game. I'm going to tip Hawthorne. I'll probably have a little bet on them as well. If the line's even, probably just go head-to-head. But I also reckon unders for this game. And I'd be looking around, you know, I reckon Hawthorne will probably score 80 to, to 90 points. So something to look at there. But, yeah, I think it's still an even game. I wouldn't be going all in on Hawthorne. Not much just yet, punting, yeah. But I think looking at the game styles, it kind of suits Hawthorne to be able to, because it would be slow, they'll be able to put numbers behind the footy and, and get the scullies and those sorts of blokes on the outside and hope and Smith and then run through. And, yeah, I just think North is starting to tire as well. Mm. Like that, the, the contested style they play does take it out of you, especially when you, you've got a lot of young players that are playing. Because you know, they've got a few young players like Larky, Zaha, uh, Thomas. You know, even Jed Anderson's still relatively young and hasn't played a lot of football because his body hasn't held up. You're Yaki, those sorts of blokes. They're, they're pretty young. They're still at a, you know, mature a bit more. If Thompson doesn't play, it's another big out. We saw it last week. I said he didn't play the uh, West Coast boards in on top, and they did. So Yeah. 
They said it evens come Friday night, then you definitely tip Hawthorne and you have a little punt on Hawthorne as well because they should never be dollar ninety. But Clarkson factor in a slow tempo game is at least two goals. Yeah. So you're definitely getting value for money there at a Hawthorne bet at a dollar ninety against the Bruise. All right. This one comes with a caveat, Baz. I've got six sure things for this week. So I want you to make a case for the team that's the outsider on each of these. Yep. Because I feel like coming in at this stage of the season, given the fact that we've had upsets galore all through 2019, it seems folly to say that there should be six sure things in round 20. So the first up will be Saturday, 2.10. The Giants are $1.30 favourites against Sydney. $3.45 outsiders at the SCG. Full goal line and the over-under of 160. So Battle of the Bridge, based on recent form, not much of a battle. Yep. Why should I think about Sydney? You shouldn't. The ramp is out, so I don't know who's going to take Cameron. The only thing I can think of is, you know, obviously GWS are missing some quality players. They don't look like they can get them back this week anyway. They've had players step up and play some good footy. They were very lucky to get away with it last week. It was a very dour sort of a game. Yes, some weather conditions did play a part, but both teams also playing the style they played. I think GWS almost last week went to Port thinking if they can just keep it low scoring, keep themselves in front. Once they got the jump on them, I think they just wanted to stay in front and mm-hmm. just play the ultimate defensive sort of a game. If they do that against Sydney, they might they might struggle to keep Sydney out because Sydney can pop up and kick goals. We saw against Geelong last week. They're off to a good good first half. They won the outside, secondary contested possession, and that's where that could hurt GWS because, you, as you know, GWS don't always do it defensively. Nope. Uh, they, they can go back to relying on talent. And maybe they've had two hard wins now. They, I know they fogged Collingwood in the first quarter, but the, the following three quarters were pretty tough and hard footy. Collingwood kept coming at them. And obviously, they had a hard, tough game last week against Port. Sydney will bring a hard, tough game as well. You know what they're going to bring. They're contested. They love to throw extra minute stoppages and try and get up, then flick it onto Zach Jones and stuff like that on the outside. It was very good last week. But Sydney will struggle to score, as we saw last week. They... They got to 80 points, I know, but uh, geez, when they were at 40 points at half time and, and looking quite, even before then, they were nearly, nearly five or six goals just after the quarter time. So they were able to score quickly early, but once it dried up, it really, really dried up. So I can't find a reason for Sydney here. I can't. I you tried been, hard, it was good, it was very impressive, yeah. but it didn't sound that convincing. No, it wasn't convincing. Especially you look at the time they played each other in round six this year, and the Giants won by just under 50 points. Uh, Tim Taranto had an absolute blind of that game and he just re-signed, so he could be in pretty good form again, I reckon. Uh, pretty simple tip for mine, tip the Giants, and uh, they might be getting it just right in time for finals, but I think, again, things haven't gone their way with injuries this season, but if they make, well, they'll make the eight, so they could be a decent shot there as well. Tip the Giants. All right, second game. Saturday, 4.35 p.m., Fremantle at $2.85 home dogs. Against the Cats, dollar forty-one favourites. They're playing at Optus Stadium. The line here is just under three goals. The over/under a very Ross line-esque one forty-eight. Now Ross, the boss, is angry. Players are storming out. Kirsten said, "See you later, Ross. I didn't enjoy my time under you." Is it panic stations or just vintage Ross line over in Dockerland? Um, I think there's more going on behind the scenes uh, at Dockerland with I think Peter Bell. And a few others are just manoeuvring a few things, and I think the players, I think the players like Ross Lyon. Like I really do. They do. Well, Michael Waters came out and said, "We probably play for Roscoe." Yeah. And everyone, like you know, in the media, Del Santo, Rewalt, yeah, uh, they've all come out and said, "We love playing for 
he's, always, he's, a, he's a good bloke. He's a funny bloke. He, yeah. he loves his players. Yeah, and it, I mean that's that's the difference with the coach. Like they got they love their players. We, all coaches love their players. They do anything for them, but they're also there to do a job and that's yeah. win games of footy and make sure we do things right and well they do things right. Sorry, um, I reckon if it's a mere Dow game because we know what Geelong are like. Yes, they they score you know before the bye they're scoring highly, but if somehow Fremantle can match on, on the inside, which I think they will. With they've got a good midfield, I reckon. Yeah. Up can you have five, even five, though he's under weather? He played more four on the weekend as well. But he, he walked up to a few times to stop and just said, get him away up here. Um, I reckon Freeman are a dead set chance here to throw, throw up the shot. Because we know that Geelong don't move the ball quickly. We know that it gives t- time for old Dower uh, Ross to set up his defence. So I reckon it'll be a real slogger. They're the sort of team Freeman, we've seen it early in the year. When they turn up and play their best footy, they're knocked off Collingwood, knocked off Joey West, those sorts of teams. I think they beat they beat Geelong. Uh, sorry, Brisbane early in the year, mm-hmm. I think, as well. I think they're, they're the sort of team that could really just um, cause an upset. And, and especially if they've been under the pump for a week or so, Ross is copping it from all angles, which unfairly as well, in my opinion. I just think they're the sort of team that could really, yeah, make the most of it. Look, Sandlin's won't be playing. He shouldn't play. But I think Sean Darcy and Rory Lobb are two capable. Rory Lobb should be playing forward and then chopping out the ruck. Darcy's a capable ruckman. And they don't have much against to play against in no, Geelong's rucks. So. No. And they've got a capable midfield. They've got a capable four line when it gets going. Walters and Hill and that need to just pull their finger out and have a crack. Uh, they tag Kelly, then they're in with a chance. We saw Gary Ablett have a really poor first half last week. And... I've noticed that teams are putting, so Sydney did it as well. Teams have, over the last few weeks have, since the buy have put an attacking halfbacker on Gary Ablett. Make him a cannibal. Because he's not a cannibal, and that's why Zach Jones had the ball in the string for the first half. But then they, they made some changes to Long, and they, they, Gary got free somehow, and John Longmire just didn't, wasn't able to fix it back his way, and then Gary Ablett had an influence. So if, Again, if Fremantle can just work out those sort of matchups right and, and get it, which I think they can, because Ross Lyons a very, very good coach. Very good match day coach. Yes, as, if he can make that, yeah. that 5% difference that coaches like Clark can as well. He's yeah. very technically astute. They'll be, they'll be prepared. I think they want to make a statement for everyone. I'll be very surprised if they don't go very, very close to knocking off Geelong. I'm going to tip Fremantle. Will you have a little punt then at $2.35? I might. Wow. You, that just does go back into, and warning listeners, Brian here has not rated Geelong at all this year, and I think you are continue to not rate them, and fair enough too. But uh, beware of not tipping the top team. I'm almost ready to tip the Dockers as well, though, so should be interesting doors. All right, Saturday, 7.25, Melbourne are hosting Richmond. Melbourne are $4.70 outsiders. Richmond are $1.18 favourites. The MCG will be packed with Richmond nuff-nuffs. The line here is 27.5, the over-under 162. Boy, oh boy, wow, we have one question and one question only. How much do Richmond win by? Is it time that Richmond just dropped one? No chance. <laughs> no chance against Melbourne. They're, they've put blokes away for surgery now as well. Melbourne are done. Cool. See you later. Uh, 60? 80? 100? Uh, I, think, I think they'll win by just enough, Richmond. But, uh, yeah, I think that Melbourne will be very interesting first six weeks next year for Melbourne. I don't know no one cares about them in there. Do you think it doesn't matter what happens now? 
do they need to do they need to play for the pride of their jumper, or is it more get it right for next year? They did talk a lot. Of, uh, actually, for, for once this year, they actually talked about after the game instead of uh, Goodwin, you know, using every excuse in the book, um, and the players talking about everything else other than the fact that they've been shit. Um, Gorn did come out pretty hard, and so did a few other players. So, and Goodwin said, so, you know, we've got to make a stand, blah, blah, blah. So maybe they've finally realised that maybe not as good as we thought. We've got to pull our heads out of our asses. But I think it also goes back to you look at the, you look at the, the sort of players that Melbourne always draft. They could have drafted a, a Charlie Kerno, but didn't. They could have drafted players. You go back through the history when they've had good draft picks. They've always gone for the clean skin. Mm. The, the clean skin player, the one that doesn't change anything, the one that's just a, 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 a you know... A robot almost. Robot, yeah, and from private school, certain private schools and stuff like that. So maybe maybe they need to just... Find a Sydney stack. Yes. Or find someone of that ilk that, you know, probably the best one's Jetta, probably I think of. Maybe even a mate to a certain extent. He's not very clean be outside the box of football yeah. maybe he's the one that can challenge them a bit but um, I need a bit of a firecracker in that list in, in an off-field dynamic in the sense like on the yeah. train track you just yeah. change things up yeah. and challenge people I mean the only one I could really think of ever was Colin Sylvia hmm. and he didn't last that long no. after so and then yeah um, yeah Melbourne no chance and yeah Goodwin I hope you uh, got everything you Need ready for the first six weeks next year because if you don't win it, if you're not at least three and three after round six next year, you could be in strife. And actually, the media might actually start giving a shit, giving it to Melbourne instead of every other team. Well, Carlton might be bad next year, so they won't have anyone left. Yeah, and you can only say that the Suns are bad for so long, and they might, they might not be bad next year either. Yeah, fingers crossed because that'd be good for footy. Speaking of the Suns. Sunday, one ten. Collingwood are a dollar eleven favourites. Gold Coast six dollars twenty five outsiders. They're playing at the MCG. The line here thirty seven and a half. The over under one sixty three. My question for you, Baz: Is it a good or bad time for Collingwood to play the Gold Coast? And are you just a little bit nervous? Good time, I think, because we've probably only got twenty two blokes to pick from. I just wonder why. So we went to West Coast and took Jamie Elliott with us. He wasn't available the next week. Went to play JWS with Taylor Adams. Wasn't available the next week. Why have we been rushing back blokes on when we were playing the state? I know we need to win games, but surely if we had players fit like now, instead of rushing them back, and it goes back to our fitness staff absolutely butchering it and whatever else is going on at the club, but it just baffles me that sometimes we do this. And like even now, like Nathan Murphy's fit to play. He's been unfit all year. He's probably going to play the BFL this week. But why Why rush a young kid back like that to play maybe two or three games in the year and risk re-injuring himself? Why not just put put him away and say, right, you're you're a good player. You're going to be a very, very good player for this football club. We've got, we want, want to see you play every game next year. Let's just put you away and, and make sure you're right so you can get a good pre-season in. Because let's be honest, the way Collingwood's injury list is now and the way we've been playing, we're not playing finals. Well, we're playing finals football. We're going to make a dent in the finals. We're probably just as useless as Adelaide, Essendon, and whoever else finishes in the eight. So it just baffles me sometimes when clubs do that, and we're doing it as well. Well, I suppose to defend the staff there, and I think 
uh, friend of the pod, Dr. Jacob Jason said the same thing. It's like, well, at the end of the day, if the player is not going to cause any more injury to himself, like some players are just prone to injury. Yeah. So if they pass all the tests and they're available for selection and they're in your best 22, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you, you get picked. Wouldn't you take the but like, cautious it, approach? But it makes no difference. I, mean, like, I don't think they're going to take the reckless approach. I don't think that's how medical staff work. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not how they work, why would you fly a player who's just come off a because know, they pass work? all the tests and they're 100 percent ready to go? But isn't there is, isn't there data there about flying in certain amount of hours and playing? Yeah, but they wouldn't have but they wouldn't have done it if they were going to be at greater risk. Oh. It's just be that you know blokes like Jamie Elliott are always going to be at risk of pulling up sore. So it doesn't matter when you play them. The next week they'll be especially up West, sore. especially Perth, where it's a hard ground. There's been lots of proof that you, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm probably back in the blokes that have you know 12 years, 15 years of medical experience, and it's a tough job to get a, a doctor of a. I know, a football but I'm just club. saying. Like, just... I know, I know. It's frustrating on the outside. They're surely, surely, surely. But I think the, like the long term is the same thing we saw with um, Dale Morris. Is that everyone came out and said, "Oh, why are they risk him?" I was like, "Well, because he has no ACL, and like, he, he wanted to, and he wanted to play. All yeah. these blokes want to play. They're banging down the door of the medical staff, banging down the door of the coach, saying, pick me, pick me, pick me.' And if they pull up sore, they pull up sore, and I just failed that medical test. But yeah, it is frustrating for the fans. But I think it's sometimes a bit harsh for uh, for people to go whack, 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 whether or not they are no much better or not. So obviously, picking Collingwood, yes, at the G. Yes. Comfortable pick. Gold Coast at the line, though. That 37 and a half is way too big. As I proved last week against the, against the Bombers. And the week before against and the week, Carlton. Yeah, they'll give a crack. They won't win, but they'll give a crack. So They've had their, they've had their little... Um, drop off. Drop off. And they'll finish strong. They'll finish... I think they'll probably drop again at the end of the year, but I think they're building some... Yeah, they're building something. I reckon next year, they're going to be you know six, seven game winning side. Yeah, much like Carlton this year. Yeah. Speaking of which, Sunday three twenty, Carlton three dollar twelve outsiders against the West Coast Eagles, dollar thirty five favourites. They're playing at Marvel Stadium. The line here is three goals. The over under one sixty eight. One question and one question only. Barrel in Tigui Trust. Can he do the impossible? No chance. Uh, West Coast will win, and I'll cover that line. It's probably my best bet of the weekend. Actually, I'm, I'm thinking even twenty four and a half. Pick your own line. I think. Uh, West Coast are flying, and they've got the matchups right, and I just don't see how Carlton can stop them from scoring. I know Carlton's been scoring pretty freely, but I don't think their midfield is going to get as much freedom as what they've been had. I think. Well, I don't think Chris will have nineteen clearances. No, well, sure. and they've got blokes that can go with him as well. I just think that yeah, the, across the field, West Coast have winners everywhere. Carlton, yes, they're playing above themselves, being great, putting lots of effort, in, lots of endeavour, lots of pressure, but they just won't have it. The bigger bodies of West Coast will put them away. They'll show them why they're the, the second best team in the comp, especially at this time on Sunday after Geelong loses on Saturday because it means that West Coast could go to the top of the table. Poor oh, tasty, tasty hot takes. And to round out round 20, Sunday, 4.40. Brisbane are thirty-five home favourites. They're hosting the Western Bulldogs, $3.12 outsiders at the Gabba. Again, three-goal line, 173.5 over under. Now, the dogs are due to obviously shit the bed because they won last week. No, no, no. These are the games they win. They beat the top four teams ah, and lose to the rubbish teams below. Ah, okay. So, in all seriousness, they've beaten all the top four teams. So, you're going to say they're going to go to the, go to the Gabba, go to the Gabbatoire and beat the form side of the AFL. The form side who's had some key signs this week. They're on, what, a six or seven game winning streak. They're flying. Everything's going well. I'll tell you what, I'm tipping Brisbane. Yes. 
But I'm going to put a little asterisk there. Like last week with Gold Coast against Essendon, which I was pretty close with. We were, yes. I um, wouldn't be surprised if Western Bulldogs win between 1 and 39 points. So if everything goes well on your weekend punt and you four, a 4.40 on Sunday, just chuck 20 bucks on uh, Western Bulldogs, 1 and 39. It'll be around about 3.54 bucks. And sit there and watch them go close to knocking off Brisbane because it's what, it's what Western Bulldogs do. They'll, win, they'll probably beat Brisbane and, and lose the next three. So that's what Western Bulldogs do. So, but no one will ever talk about the media because it doesn't matter because they're irrelevant, just like Melbourne. So now I've said that about doggies in Melbourne. I've, I've said that they're irrelevant three or four times for this point. Yeah. Why about it? You better put five bucks Melbourne and Western Bulldogs into a multi because there's every possible chance they win now this week because I've had a crack. Oh. Glorious, glorious moments there. Double your money and make a stack. I'm on to the next one. 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 Somebody bring me back some money, please. Everyone's favourite segment, Money Making Time. A quick little check-in on our season-long bets. Carlton 6175, Gold Coast 6175. Uh, Gold Coast are playing Collingwood, that's paying $2.88, and Carlton are playing West Coast, that's paying $3. And uh, if we consider that both Collingwood and West Coast will keep at 100 then, you know, a 30-point loss gets in that 70-point bracket, so that could be some decent cash. Here's two bets for you, Baz. What you got for our punters for the rest of the weekend? Uh, pretty short this week, so I think I'm pretty confident with three, and then I've got me, uh, me little roughie there. But I reckon Hawthorne head-to-head, $1.90, is a pretty good bet this week. And you're probably close to the game. If you get your bet boost, whatever, you probably get only two bucks. Uh, West Coast will definitely cover that line of 17.5. Again, if you look at over 24.5, probably around 2, 22.30, that's another good bet of mine. I reckon they will, they'll do a 5, 6 minimum goal job on Carlton. Um, I know everyone's been talking about Carlton this week. I think it might be a bit closer. But I think West Coast is starting to flex their muscle a little bit. They've got pretty much full contingent. I think Crips might be the only one still not right this week. Uh, otherwise, everyone's pretty much right except obviously Nick Nat. And I just think they're just all Where over the ground. Yeah. They're just too strong and too powerful for Carlton. So I think they'll get the job done. And another one was uh, Gold Coast at the line. 37 and a half is way too many, uh, too much of a head start against the Collingwood team. Yes, they should win. But Collingwood under the pump, they've had a lot of injuries. They're missing probably you know, best goal scorer at the moment. So who's going to kick out goals? No, Stevenson with no Dugowie. Uh, our scoring power will drop, you know, a lot. So who's gonna who's gonna pop up for us? And we saw Gold Coast last two weeks have been quite plucky and got close to Carlton and nearly beat Essendon. So it's not gonna be as easy as everyone thinks. And thirty-seven and a half is way too much. Then my roughie for the week is St Kilda to beat Adelaide, three dollars and five. I think that's a mod, uh, yeah, it's a, a good good bet as well. And if uh, you really want something rough, just chuck all four of those together in a multi. I was one. Game off. off last week. The week before, I was correct with all of them. So I'm, I'm being pretty close with the multis the last two weeks if you take my best bets and my value or roughy in a, in a multi. So yep, there you go. Baz's multi to round out the weekend. And of course, if you've done very successfully, you can roll in uh, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs in the old Moz bet. <laughs> and if that gets up, head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel and treat yourself to a, you know, a, a nice medium rare steak and a, a juicy British pint whilst you're watching the uh, cricket, because that will be on Sunday night as well. All right. 
Enjoy your footy, and until then, we'll see you next time. Come on!